Well, I have a little liberty here this morning uh, talking about this topic on marriage since Jackie's not here. <laughs> I told her uh, as the week was progressing that I had some illustrations this week uh, that I was going to be using her on. And of course, she wants to know all about what they are so she can kind of filter uh, what I might say. But uh, that's really kind of impossible. Um, I want to start out this morning with probably my favorite verse concerning uh, marriage. And I just kind of want to dissect it as we begin here. So in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7, this is out of the Passion Translation. So it's a little different than what um, any of you would have. So just look here on the overhead. 1 Peter 3 verse 7 says, Husbands, and that, that reminds me, I told you last week I was going to go over to the wives this week, and I will get to the wives eventually, but I want to come back and, and hit on the husbands again to begin with. If, if, whenever I'm in counseling, I put a lot of responsibility on husbands. I think we carry uh, a lot of the weight of a marriage because we are, are the ones who are to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And how did he love the church? He died for the church. So we have a big responsibility, guys. So let's take a look at this. It says, Husbands, you in turn must treat your wives with tenderness, viewing them as feminine partners who deserve to be honored, for they are co-heirs with you of the divine grace of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now let's go back and dissect this here for a moment. And we see here where it says, Husbands, you in turn must treat your wives with tenderness. Now, do you see the little A there? That means that there's a definition for that. And so that word tenderness is this. With intimate insight, we must treat our wives with intimate insight. That's not easy to do. Because women are complicated. But we need to look at them with an intimate insight. We try to figure them out. Where are they coming from? We can't always take what they say at face value, guys. Because sometimes they say one thing, but they mean something else because they're feeling something else and they don't necessarily know how to explain it. And we've got to try to sort all that out. But we need to be living with them and we need to be realistically considerate of their desires and their delight, not ignorant of their preferences. In other words, we, we really do, guys, we have to be a student of our wives. We have to figure them out where they're coming from. And it's a full-time, it's a full, it's an all-your-life situation. I, Jackie and I are still trying to figure each other out. I'm trying to understand where she's coming from. And we've been married nearly 45 years. So it is a lifetime, but we need to make it to where you really enjoy trying to figure each other out. Uh, it, it, it's, it can be very comical if you'll allow it to. And we'll talk about that here in a moment. Once again, husbands, you in turn must treat your wives with tenderness, viewing them. You see another there's a B there, viewing them or taking the time to see them as God sees his daughter. That's what that means. View them or you see them as God sees them. What is it that I need to see in my spouse? What is it that you need to see in your wife that God sees? 
Because she is tremendously gifted. She has been given certain things so that she can live with you. She has been given certain things so that she can be a benefit to the body of Christ. So we need to begin to see them as they have been gifted for life, for the things of church life, for the kingdom, and for your marriage. How is it that I can view my spouse in light of the way that God has designed them? Let's continue. Husbands, in turn, you must treat your wives with tenderness, viewing them as feminine. As feminine. That's not necessarily a popular word today, but it's a good word. That word feminine means this. It means the weaker vessel, which is possible, is possible idiom for the weaker livelihood. Widows and female orphan, uh, uh, orphans were horribly disadvantaged in the time that this was written. Without an advocate... Women were often oppressed by corrupt political officials. Peter instructs married men to treat their wives with respect as those who are often disadvantaged. It is also possible to interpret this as the weaker physically. So men, we need to understand that our spouses are feminine. They are of the weaker Vessel. We don't need to treat them as if they're inferior. It's not inferior, but they are weaker. And we need to be considerate of that and want to do things for them to help strengthen them. Praise the Lord. As feminine partners who deserve to be honored, for they are co-heirs with you of the divine grace of life. I don't know about you, but I am so glad that I have been born into this world and I have part in this divine grace of life. Life is grand. I love life. I hope you do too. If you ever get to the place where you don't enjoy life, we need to talk. And I want you to get fired up about the things of God once again because in Christ, all things are possible. In Christ... I have the joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. All of those good things that come. Life is wonderful. And we have this divine grace of life. So that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now here, I love this last part. God is saying to us, guys, here's what he's saying. Guys, that is my daughter. And I have to look at Jackie. I look at Jackie as a daughter of, of God more than I look at her as my wife. Do you hear what I'm saying? I look at Jackie more as the daughter of Christ. I look at her as the daughter of God the Father first, my wife second. And here's what he's saying. He's saying, Ron, if you don't take care of my daughter, I am not going to hear your prayers. That's serious, buddy. That's serious. That's serious. He's saying, if you don't take care of my daughter, my daughters. How many of you have daughters? You know how they're special. Hey, sons are special too. But there's something about those daughters. And they're special to God as well. He's no respecter of person, but I'll tell you what, he loves his daughters. And guys, we need to be taking care of them. Because if we're not, he says, the heavens are closed to you, buddy. You take care of her, then I'll listen to you. It's just that serious. So we need to be guys, guys, we need to be taking care of our wives. 
Hey, this is a two-way street, isn't it? It's a two-way street. What do you do when the two-way street becomes a one-way street? You do your part. That's all you can do. You cannot be responsible for the other side. You do your part. And if it's only a one-way street, you go one way the best that you can do. You go one way full tilt for God, serving Him, loving Him, doing all the things, loving your spouse the best that you can. If you're not getting the response, you're not to blame. But do everything you can do if it's a one-way street. All right. I mentioned last week, we need to understand each other's love languages. I've passed out the book. I have more books to pass out. I'd like for, if you don't have the five love languages by uh, Gary Chapman, I'd like for you to buy that book. This book probably revolutionized my marriage and my thinking, my understanding of what was expected of me and what's expected of Jackie more than any book I've ever read. Understanding the five love languages. Those five love languages are this, physical touch, quality time, words of affirmation, acts of service, and gifts. All of us are motivated. We are encouraged. Uh, those things fill uh, like nothing else. Like whether it's physical touch. Uh, Jackie's is service and quality time. She wants me to be serving her. And she likes quality time together. Not, not just being in the same room. I mean, it's quality time. She enjoys quality time. And she loves being... All of you, you have that motivation in you that needs to be fed and needs to be ministered to so that your love tank is filled. We need to learn those, husbands and wives as well. Ephesians 5.33, very well uh, used and well-known scripture. Husbands, so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Here's what this verse is saying. Husbands, so love his own wife as himself. Husbands, you are to, to massage her heart. Husbands, we are to massage and minister to the hearts of our wives. The last part of this, she is to respect her husbands. Here's what this means. As men massage her heart, women are to massage our ego. Do you hear me? Men... We massage her heart. Why? Because she is emotional. She is, uh, she's relational. And so we need to minister to their heart. And what is it that guys need? We need our, we need to be lifted up. I don't know that I've ever had a wedding where I have not encouraged the, uh, the wife, the bride, to be her husband's biggest cheerleader. That's what guys need. Now see, the, the word ego has gotten taken on a, a negative connotation, but it's not really a negative word. We all have egos. Women, you have egos just as much as men do. But it's just the need that is there. Women don't need their egos stroked as much as men do. Ego is really a very good, good word. It's a person's sense of self-esteem or self-importance. Women, 
If you are a cheerleader to your husband, you are doing 90% of what he needs. Because he needs to be encouraged. He needs to be lifted up. He needs to know that, hey, I can come home from a bad day at work and I know that I've got, I have a safe place at home because my wife's going to speak positive to me. She's going to speak life into me. She's going to encourage me. She's going to lift me up. There's not a guy on the planet who doesn't want his ego stroked. I'm telling you, gals, if you will be his biggest cheerleader, it will help 100% in your marriage. Praise the Lord. And that's why in the motivational gifts, one of those gifts, whether you have it or whether you don't, is words of affirmation. You may not be a natural encourager, but you can be an encourager. You may need to practice on that. Do you know that there are gifted encouragers? In Romans chapter 12, it lists seven motivational gifts. And in that, is words of affirmation. If you are an encourager, do it with all your might. If you're not gifted at being an encourager, become a better encourager. If you know you're not pouring into your husband and speaking life into him like you should, work on that and make sure you become someone who is lifting him up. And you say, well, if I just lifted him up all the time, then all he's going to do is get a big head and he's going to begin to think he's the boss and <laughs> hey, gals, don't worry about that. It's not your responsibility to keep him in check. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. You just go ahead and encourage him and lift him up and let him know that you admire him and you care for him. And I know, once again, it takes two to tango. You may be thinking, well, he hasn't earned my respect. Here's what you have to do. You have to go back to the days whenever he had your respect and find out what was it that he did then that captivated me back at that time. And then the two of you have to work at getting back to that place because there was a time whenever you had great admiration for him. There was a time whenever you tremendously loved him and you looked into his eyes and you had a glistening in your eyes. There was a time. Work your way back to that. What you have to do, you have to lay resentment down. You have to lay unforgiveness down. You have to lay bitterness down. You have to get past all of that to get back to where at one time you were in tremendous love. Hallelujah. With marriage in mind, let's think for a moment about value. Value. Where do you place your value when it comes to Jesus Christ our Lord? Is He really at the top? Is He really number one? Have you really made God to where there are no other gods before Him? What is the value you place upon God the Father and upon Jesus Christ? What's the value of your marriage? What's the value of your spouse? You see, I want to treat Jackie to where if I had a large, I mean, if I had a diamond that was this size and that thing was worth $5 billion, I would want to treat that thing with great respect and take care of it and make sure that nobody steals it and nobody hurts it. And that's the same way I want to look at my wife with great value. She is the most valuable thing to me other than Jesus Christ himself. 
And I want to treat her that way. I want to honor her. Gary Smalley says, honor is when somebody walks in the room and you go, there they are. I'm in the same room with that person. I can't believe it. And I honestly have tried to work at being that way with my wife. I've not always done it. But I want to work at that to where I just feel honor and I feel such respect. And she has such value in my life. Makes a big difference. Hallelujah. I'm going to skip a couple since we're getting late here. I want to skip a couple things because I want to talk to you about differences. You know, many times we lose uh, the weight of value on each other because of our differences. Do you get irritated? Do you get agitated because of the other one? You know what an irritation irritation is or an agitation is in your life an irritation in your life is the speck in someone else's eye that reflects the boulder that's in yours that's what an irritation is the scripture says i think it's in matthew chapter 7 talks about the splinter or the speck in our eye But what about the plank or the boulder in your eye? And so when we get agitated, it's because we are honing in on the little problem in their life whenever there's a big problem in our own life that we ought to be dealing with. And so when we do that, then we get mixed up on value and we get sidetracked onto different things that really shouldn't be of any importance. I was thinking about some of the differences between Jackie and me. Jackie is the kind of person, she follows rules. I mean, if there is a rule, she's going to try to follow that thing the best she can. We went camping here uh, about a month ago, and can you imagine the camp was nearly flooded? Who can imagine that this year? It was soggy, soggy, soggy. The campfire pit, which was a steel ring, was setting over in a huge mud puddle. It says right in the directions, right in your instructions on your camp, little camp thing that they hand out to you, it says, do not move fire rings. We're not going to use the fire ring setting in the middle of a mud puddle. So we dragged the fire ring over and we set it on top of this gravel area and we're sitting there and we're having a nice campfire and the DNR goes by and guess what? Jackie's freaking out because we moved the fire ring. And I tried to reassure her that Jackie, he's not, he's going to understand, but that's not the rule. We were on vacation one time and it was down in Tennessee and it was at a historic uh, courtyard, and there was a little sign down here that said, stay off the grass. Now, here's the way Jackie works. If somebody was choking on the other side of the grass, I'll guarantee you she would walk around 
I got to think, if I had a heart attack and I fell onto that grass, you know what she would do? I'm hoping what she would do is she would call 911 right away. But while she's waiting on the emergency crew to get to me, she's going to drag me off of the grass. (laughs) Because I'm not following the rule. Now, for some reason, I don't know why it is, all these little signs that have rules, there's one sign that she pays no attention to. Speed limit sign. (laughs) (laughs) Now, here's what happens, folks. You can allow those little differences, those agitations, uh, you you can allow those differences to become big issues. Or you can make fun of it and say, hey, that's just, that's the way she is. And she knows that I'm just not that stuck on that stuff. Hey, I want to honor what somebody's requesting. I want to obey. But, but there's, you know, there's a breaking point for all of that. Sometimes rules can get in the way of common sense. Amen? And that, that's where I'm at. I'm just more of a common sense. Uh, she says that I just don't pay attention to rules and regulations. But... <laughs> And, and that's the way, she, so she, see, she has to deal with, with that frustration in her life that I don't deal with rules and regulations like she deals with rules and regulations. So those little things can become a speck in your eye that blinds you and causes you not to see things the way that they are. You have to look at the plank that might be in your eye. So don't allow those little irritations do you know how, I've explained this, but I think it's been many years ago. How is a pearl made? A pearl is made inside an oyster. If you raised up your tongue and you felt that membrane, that skin, all of that underneath your tongue, that's somewhat the feeling, the material that's in an oyster. Well, imagine getting a little sharp, uh, rough pebble underneath your tongue. What happens? It becomes an irritation. In an oyster, that irritation, if a, if a grain of sand or a rough pebble or something goes inside that oyster, that oyster begins to immediately secrete a, uh, a mucus kind of uh, liquid that surrounds that rough irritation. And then it puts on another layer and it puts on another layer and another layer and eventually you come up with a pearl. That is why you and I must take our irritations and turn them into pearls. You see, all of those things that's taking place in your marriage that are, that's so difficult, God is trying to develop pearls in your life. And then He turns around and He says, don't cast your pearls to the swine. Why? Because those irritations have become valuable. They have, they have been developed over time. And there, there is certain things that have taken place that you have persevered and you have caused those irritations to become victories in your life. Don't take those and treat them as if they're nothing because they're tremendously valuable. And I'm going to use those things in you to be a tremendous testimony to the Lord.